said, we're going to dive into God's Word this morning. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. We're kicking off a series for the summer called Summer in the Psalms. And uh, we're really excited about what God's Word has to say for us, especially to be able to spend a really a lengthy amount of time. We're probably going to spend about eight, nine, uh, maybe up to ten weeks just going through Psalms and, and speaking through what they have in store for us. And um, Psalm 1 is a great one. I want to share some fun facts with you about the book of Psalms. First is that there's 150 Psalms. Just in case you're not familiar with your table of contents or you didn't want to turn all the way to the back of the book of Psalms, there's 150. So I saved you the time. You don't have to go back and verify that. I'm a trusted source. 150 Psalms. They're written by at least eight authors, um, 75 of them written by King David. All of the Psalms not written by King David. How many of you, your mind's blown right now? You thought the entire book of Psalms was from King David. No, only about half come from King David. Um, 48 are by anonymous authors. And so there's some that are uncredited. And so you have at least eight authors, probably more, that, were, uh, that contributed to the book of Psalms. Here's the thing. It was gathered approximately over a thousand years. A thousand years. From Egypt, Moses actually wrote a couple of psalms. So there's a couple of psalms from Moses in the book of Psalms, all the way up to the time of Ezra. And what that means is from Egypt to the time in Babylon. So as the people were in slavery in Egypt and Moses leads them out and God, God provides salvation for them from Egypt, so also as they return from exile under the leadership of Ezra. And so that's a thousand-year period where these psalms are gathered with 75 of them coming from David. But of course, eight or more authors going on there. It contains psalms of wisdom, psalms of praise, psalms of joy, and psalms of lament, and, and many more. The psalms are not just one kind of long, joyous song, 150 of those. No, there's so much emotion. There's, there's depth. There's, de- there's depression. There's, there's anxiety. There's, there's angst. There's all of these things going on, like everything that we experience in life. You've probably experienced all of those emotions this morning, right? You got up this morning and you were, you were ready to start your day with a bowl of your favorite breakfast cereal and somebody ate it all, right? Or the milk's gone, right? Or, oh, it's Sunday and I didn't go to the grocery store yesterday and the milk's gone. And so you've already experienced all of those emotions. What should I wear to church this morning? I want to look my best. I, I can tell you what, I experienced those emotions last night, so that's just me, just being, just being real honest. Part of the wisdom literature that's going on in there is just, it's, it's helping to lead us in how we live our lives. And so you have the, the wisdom books of the Old Testament, Job, and then Psalms, along with Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. That's where it fits in the, in the, in the literary um, traditions of the scriptures. If you're a fan of old guys, D.L. Moody said this. He wrote this in his Bible. I thought this was really cool. In Job, man had been taught to know himself. In Psalms, he's taught to know the Lord. And so that's how we're going to approach this this morning. That, that as we are getting to know ourselves, we also need to know the Lord. And, and so as we're in summer in the Psalms, and we spend these next eight, ten weeks walking through each of these Psalms, I want you to just open yourself up and say, you know what, God? I want to get to know you through this series. 
We have a discipleship guide that's available, and, and it's available either in print at the hub, uh, if you, you're somebody who likes paper, uh, or if you're cool with digital stuff, in our Cornerstone Bluffton app, there's a discipleship guide available. And, and every day we've got a reading that you can go through Monday through, through Saturday this week that kind of lines up with what we're going to talk about here in Psalms. And there's some questions there that you can consider. But the main, main thing that I want you to open yourself up to as we walk through this series is, God, I want to get to know you through your word. Because that's how God has revealed himself to us. If you ever have the question, I, I don't really know what God is like, or you feel like you're confused about who God is, the, the answer to who he is is in his word. God has revealed himself to us. And God has blessed most of us in this room with the ability to read. And that is a stewardship gift. And so if you're able to read other things, like here's the thing about reading, is you don't even realize that you can do it once you know how to do it. You can't turn it off. So I just want to encourage you. Get to know the Lord through his word as we journey through the Psalms. So what does it mean to know the Lord as D.L. Moody wrote in his Bible so long ago? It means this. It means to walk the pathway of life with him. To say, as I, as I lay my footsteps, as I'm going through life and, and all the things that come up in my life, I am going to walk with the Lord, step by step, laid out by the Lord. And so as we approach the Psalms, we approach them as illustrations of living life with our God. And so what I want to do is I want to walk through the, the, this book, this, this first chapter of Psalms, because I think it sets the path for what we're going to see throughout the rest of it and how we should uh, align ourselves with the hearing and reading of God's Word. We're going to walk verse by verse, and we're going to see five takeaways from Psalm 1. So the first takeaway that I have for you is this. Number one is this, be careful of the company that you keep. Psalm 1 verse 1 says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Those who are not aligned with those three groups of people, they have joy. We already see a, a, a difference between those who are not those three things and those who keep company with those who are those three things. And there's these three verbs that are kind of there. It talks about following the advice of the wicked. In other translations, it says those who walk with the wicked or walk under the counsel of the wicked, those who stand around with sinners and those who join in with the mockers. In other places, it says, or those who sit with the mockers. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how the, the way we kind of we live our lives, like you, 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 you ever been like walking along and you kind of walking with somebody else? Like we, we can all picture that, right? You've gone on a walk before, yeah? I'm not the only one. It's nice when you walk with somebody. It's nice to, to, to keep up with them. It's nice to kind of see who's setting the pace sometimes. And if that person's a fast walker, it's nice to tell them, hey, why don't you slow down a little bit, you know? This is a casual stroll. But when you're walking with somebody, it's kind of awkward to just walk in silence, right? Like, we, we, you don't just walk with some. I hope that you're not just walking with somebody. And it's just you and that other person. And for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever, you're, the duration of your walk is just awkward silence. That would be agonizing. No, you, you typically take up a conversation. 
Lately, my wife and I have been going on strolls together. I've been trying to, to, to like work on my fitness a little bit and get a little more movement in, and she's been uh, uh, obligated to go with me. And um, that's, what, that's what the marriage covenant means. I don't know if you guys know that. That was one of our vows. And, and so we, we will go on these strolls, and usually about 30 minutes, but we always have a conversation. And a lot of times the conversations are actually kind of about what we're dealing with in life. You might find that. Like if there's any other husbands and wives who go on walks together, sometimes you just talk things out and you, you advise one another. In the same way, that's what I think is happening here in the psalm, that, that as, as we walk with people, we tend to get advice and counsel, and that counsel gets inside of us. And then as you're walking, you tend to um, maybe stop and stand, and the conversation gets a little more in-depth, right? And you begin listening more, and you're thinking, yeah, I kind of agree with that. And so you're standing around with this person, and then all of a sudden, you find that you're sitting in the same places together. You're lounging together. You're spending your downtime together now, and that influence gets into our lives. And what the author, the psalmist here is saying is be careful of that. Because even though it starts out as a casual conversation on a casual walk and you're starting to get some counsel, it turns into something that guides and directs and takes root in your heart. And it spoils us. And so there's joy for those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. There are, there's joy for those who don't find themselves standing around in conversation with sinners or joining in, sitting down with the mockers. So be careful of the company that you keep. Andy Stanley has this, this way of saying this, and as a, as a youth pastor, he used to share this with teenagers a lot. Your friends oftentimes determine the quality and direction of your life. The people you hang around with, the people you align yourself with, tend to determine the quality and direction of your life. That's, that's a big deal. Because some of us have gotten, we've gotten pulled into things that are more wicked and more, more centered in sin or more centered in mocking than it is in God's Word. And because we keep that company, we think it's okay. But in reality, it's rotting our hearts. It's preventing God's Word from doing what it can do. We have to be careful with the company that we keep. Number two, meditation makes the difference. And I know this sounds kind of new agey, but hear me out. Hear me out. It's, it's in the Bible, okay? Verse two says this, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. One of the commentaries I, I was reading as I was researching for this, it talked about how meditation is a lot like digestion. Isn't that a great picture? And I thought, well, how could I use the word digestion in a, in a sermon point? And I thought, no, I'm going to go with the meditating. Like, I, I think it's a, it's a little softer. But here's the thing about, about meditation. Meditation isn't a one-time thing. It says that they meditate on it day and night. And here's the thing about digestion, right? We can all say that we want to eat better. We want to be healthier. We want to do these things. But, but until that healthy food and the better choice makes its way into here... It's not going to change anything, right? That salad can sit on the counter all it wants to, and it'll be just as healthy as it is out there, 
but it ain't doing nothing until I take it in and until my body does its thing and makes it a part of my system. So if, if I'm sitting there and I have the choice between chocolate glazed donuts, yeah, I saw a lot of heads nodding. There's a lot of Baptists in the room. And let's just say, let's just say some eggs in the morning. Prepared chocolate frosted donut. I've got to cook these eggs. You face that dilemma, right? I just want to tell you, eggs are one of the fastest cooking foods in the world. It takes like three minutes, if that. But already there, <laughs> right? You, you're, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or, I really, do I really have to crack these eggs? Right? Do I really have to whisk them? You know, do I have to? Do I have to? But here's the thing. What's the wiser choice? On my Weight Watchers plan, it's eggs in the morning. There's zero-point food. I'm great. I have as many eggs as I want to. I eat that donut. That's like 30 points. I'm done for the day. <laughs> right? So the wise choice is zero-point food. I can be full, and, it does, and I got points later, and, and here's, here's how it goes. But for many of us, we're quick to the, to, the, to the thing, to take in the thing. But here's the thing about, I mean, this is, this is just food education for you, right? Like you, you eat cheap food, it doesn't last the rest of the day. But you eat a good protein in the morning, right? It's going to get you through to lunch. You eat, you eat a good lean protein and something, some greens, something good for you, it's going to help you through until dinner. And, and, and that's the thing about God's Word. God's Word is the healthy choice, but for us, we're snacking on social media, we're snacking on Fox News, we're snacking on CNN, we're snacking on this, we're snacking on that, and all you're doing is you're eating donuts and Cheetos and Doritos and this and that. You eat like a middle schooler <laughs> at camp and the snack shack just opened, right? Last year at camp, I, I, I had the privilege and honor, and I hope to only have to do this once, of leading our student ministry to summer camp last year. And, and that summer camp, God bless the work that they're doing. Great teaching, great worship, all that stuff. But the one thing I strongly disagree with is opening up the snack shack at 9.30 at night. <laughs> and you've got a sixth grade boy who just dropped $30 on Mountain Dew and Sour Punch straws, which are just basically gelat gelatin and sugar in, a, in plastic wrap, right? And they just come skipping along. Oh, I'm so excited. And they're pounding Mountain Dews, and they're, right? Well, this veteran youth pastor got in front of that real quick, and I said, one sweet, one salty, and one drink. Because otherwise, you'll have a kid coming back at 1130 with a case of Mountain Dew ready to go. He's handing them out to his buddies. And then before you know it, it's 3 a.m., and nobody's sleeping, and you're just sobbing in the top bunk because you got stuck with the top bunk because you got to the room last. Right? But that's what that cheap food does, and it just leads to crashes. It just, it just ends up ruining our lives. And some of, some of us, some of us are, 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 are subsisting on a middle school camp diet. And you're wondering why you're burning out in your faith. You're wondering why you, you just don't seem to have the strength to stand. You're wondering why the world seems like it's, so it's on fire, why it bothers you so much. And why you're so quick to be angry and quick to judge and, and, and so, so slow to listen. 
rather you, you want to respond and you want to get in there and you want to get after it and you burn out and you think you're representing Jesus, but all you're doing is, is, is burning off that emptiness that's inside of you and calling yourself Christian. Without the Word of God and without meditating on the Word, day and night, you will not be transformed into the image of Christ. That's all Paul wrote in, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that we should not be conformed to the image of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds, which means you need to think differently about the world and the people in it. You need to think through the lens of the Scriptures, not the lens of the latest pundit and influence and personality in your life because you're walking with the wicked, you're standing around with sinners, you're, you're sitting down with mockers, disguised wolves in sheep's clothing, and they're feeding you Mountain Dew and Sour Punch straws, and it doesn't last. Meditation on the Word of God makes the difference. Meditation on the Word of God makes the difference, because as they're regurgitating the filth that they have inside of them, you're satisfied with the truth of the Scriptures. Number three, healthy roots produce consistent fruits. It rhymes, so it's got to be true. <laughs> healthy roots produce consistent fruits. Verse three says this, they are like trees planted along the riverbank. This is speaking about those who delight in the Word. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do because of their roots are healthy. See, what's happening on the surface when it comes to the, 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 the plant kingdom, to go back to seventh grade biology, what's happening in the roots is what's most important. That if the roots have their nutrients and the roots have their moisture and the, the roots have what they need to draw in, they're going to produce fruit and they're going to produce fruit consistently. And the thing about being planted along a riverbank is that there is always the presence of fresh water for you. And that fresh water is the Word of God. And so as people who delight in the law of the Lord, it's like you're planted next to the riverbank so that you can always draw in the fresh word. You can always draw in that nutrient-dense word of God. And what it leads to is consistent production of fruit. It doesn't mean perfect production of fruit. It doesn't mean that you're going to be producing all of the fruit all of the time because there is a time to produce and there is a time to grow. There is a time that of, of maturing and there is a time where reproduction happens. And so allowing that to take place, and a big part of that is the meditating on the Word of God. And, but being planted and rooted in the Scriptures leads to the production of consistent fruit, consistently bringing forth the things of God. And, and the Scriptures have laid out what these things are for us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there's no law, Paul writes. Like, who's going to come up to you and say, you know what, you're just too kind? Prison. 
right? Like you're just too patient. I saw you waiting in that line and not getting upset with that person. Prison for you too. You know, like I saw you, I saw you just loving everyone. Jail for you as well. Like that's not how the world works. And there may come a day where, where for some reason the world outlaws those things, but that day is not today. It's not today. There's no law against you loving someone because they are made in the image of God. There's no law against you being patient with people because they are made in the image of God. There's no law against showing kindness or gentleness. There's no law against being faithful. There's no law against these things. And as we are rooted in God's Word, as the psalmist writes, it produces those things consistently in us. The Holy Spirit has what He needs to take it in and make it a reality in our lives. And so, healthy roots produce consistent fruits. And some, pe- some of us are, are, are looking for that fruit in our lives. You know, we, we want to show off that fruit, but really what you, all you've got is fruit loops, right? It's not real. It's not real. What, what fruit does fruit loops taste like? Does anybody know? But if your, if your fruit tastes more like Fruit Loops than real fruit, right, it's not real. And we're passing that off. We're passing off our, 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 our self-centered love for people, our self-centered patience for people, our self-centered kindness towards people. It's Fruit Loops. It's not real. It's not the thing that, that is produced in us. you got to see this. Like there's a, there's a worldly way to try to disguise itself like the things of God, but if it's not, if it's not coming from and aligned with the truth of the Scriptures, it's not, it's not it. It's not real. It's not real. Number four, wickedness always leads to weakness, which ends in destruction. Verse four says this, but not the wicked... So the, the, the people who are delighting in the law of the Lord, they're meditating on it day and night. They are, they are rooted in, and they are like planted along the streams of a riverbank, and they're producing fruit each season, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. I don't know if you know about chaff, but, but chaff is this, um, it, it's, it's like this papery stuff that grows with wheat. And so when you harvest the wheat, you have to separate the wheat from the chaff. And Jesus teaches a parable of this on the, uh, in the Gospels. And, and what he says is that um, being like the wheat means that you are of the people of God, you're of the kingdom. But if you are of the chaff, then you are just destined to be burned up, you're good for nothing. And that's the thing about chaff, is it's really good for nothing. And in the process of, of, of this, like, well, Matt, how do you figure out what is wheat and what is chaff? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. So when they would harvest the wheat, they would take it to the threshing floor. And in the threshing floor, you would have kind of like a pitchfork or some type of tool to be able to toss what was harvested, harvested into the air. And in tossing this stuff into the air, it separates and the wheat kernels would fall to the ground and the chaff would, would just dissipate and go away. And later it'd be gathered up and cleaned up and then burned off because it's trash. And so in the separating, in the, in, the, in the tossing of life, right? You ever been tossed by life? Which would you rather be? 
The wheat that falls to the earth, secure where it belongs, or the chaff blown in the wind, destined to be burned. See, wheat has a purpose. Wheat has a destination. Wheat will be used for something and something good. It will be ground into flour and turned into bread. It will be um, used to feed the hungry and meet the needs of the people, but chaff is only destined to be burned. This is what the wicked is like. And they go through life in very different ways, right? Wheat goes through its tossing and turning of life for a purpose. It leads to something, but the chaff is tossed into the air and it just drifts through life and makes its way along only to be gathered and burned once again. Wickedness always leads to weakness. The path of wickedness is not a path of strength. It's a path of false strength. When the wheat and the chaff are together, they look like they're the same. They, they are, in essence, together, and, and they have some of the this, this same usability. But when that process starts to separate, it's very clear what is wheat and what is chaff. Wickedness always leads to weakness, and that weakness leads to destruction. Verse 5 says that they will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. And that's the destination of the wicked. That's what happens to people who follow the advice and counsel of the wicked. That's what it means to align yourself with these things. It's taking you on a pathway that ends in destruction. Finally, number five, the fifth takeaway I want to share with you is ultimately, the Lord always gives us what we ask for. This is the great thing about God. He gives us what we ask for, and He gives us what we ask for regardless of whether or not we would call ourselves Christian or not. He gives people what they ask for. Now, it may not be the way you think it is, But the psalmist sums it up this way. He says this, For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. And so the the, the key difference between the two paths is not their destinations, but who's watching over the path. God watches over the path of the godly. That if you want God to guide your life and you want Him to tell you, God, what steps should I take? What path do you want me to walk along? He will guide your path. He will watch over you. That is who God is, and He can't be anybody else. But if you want to follow the advice of the wicked, if you want to walk with the sinners, if you want to sit with the mockers, He'll let you do that too. And that path leads to destruction. And the difference is he's not watching over them. He's watching over his own. So the question becomes, what do you want? What do you want? And and not, not like what do you want right now because I scared you a little bit. But what do you really want? Do you want your own way? Do you want your own life? Do you want control? Do you want what it is that your heart desires because you have determined it is that thing that will make you happy? Because he'll give it to you. 
But brothers and sisters, it will lead to your destruction. Do you want him? Do you want to be like a, a, a tree that is planted alongside the riverbank, con- producing consistent fruit each season? Do you want to meditate on his word day and night? Do you want to be different from the wicked sinners and the mockers? If life with Jesus is what you want, then consider the path you plan to walk. If life with Jesus is what you want, then consider the path that you plan to walk. We've got some recent graduates. We've got high school graduates and college graduation just happened last month. And this is a big question for you right now. You're in this phase of life where you're trying to figure these things out. Or maybe you're a high school junior or, or sophomore or, or freshman. Or if you're like my daughter, eighth grader, who's trying to figure out the future of your life and what path you want to take. And I just want to say, of, of, before anything and everything, consider this question first. Do I want life with Jesus? Do I really want it? Have I, am I cultivating a want and a desire to live my life with Jesus, guiding my life? Because if you want it, then consider the path you plan to walk. Consider the things that you plan to do. If you're in a phase of life where, where maybe your kids are, are starting to get to that age where they're graduating and empty nesting is right around the corner and you're like, yes, right? You're going to save on groceries. Your kids won't be eating all your food all the time. You're going to save on those vacation trips, right? Because it's just me and mama now. <laughs> you're going you're to save on all these things. You're going to save on car insurance because they're on their own, right? Or whatever it is, whatever you've got planned in front of you, and you're just thinking, man, I cannot wait because when I get to there, everything's going to be right and good. Consider the path you plan to walk. Because there are just as many of us who are young and making choices based on what we want as those of us who are old and making choices based on what we want, and we're not considering the path that God has planned for us. I would say it again, but I'm sure it stung a little bit. There's three C's that I want you to consider because the choice is is really what do you want? You want God? You want Jesus? Or do you want anything else? Three C's to consider as you walk this path. The first is your companions. Who am I walking with? Who am I walking with? The Proverbs says that um, the, the, the path, excuse me, um, walk with the wise and become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. When you walk with the wise, you take on the characteristics of the wise. But when you walk with the foolish, or you walk with those who are basically choosing their own way, or choosing any way that is outside of the wisdom and counsel of the Lord, you will suffer harm. There's a certainty to it. It may not come today, it may not come tomorrow, but eventually it it will result in your harm. So consider who you're walking with. Are the people that you're living life and doing life with and building community with, are they also choosing Jesus over everything? Are they choosing Jesus over everything? Or do you all have the same complaints about the path that you've chosen for yourself? Do you have the same tendencies to, of impatience with maybe a builder in the area, right? 
Or maybe you've shunned a certain restaurant because the wait staff isn't keeping up to snuff anymore, right? And you tend to think in terms of me and my experiences versus how am I showing love and grace and kindness? How am I producing? How is that fruit showing up in my life? Because there is wisdom in the counsel of the godly. So consider your companions. The second thing I want you to consider is your connections. What am I guided by? Right? Where are your roots dug in? Are, are, they, are they bringing in the nutrition and the, and, the, and the water and the freshness of the Word of God? Or are you connected to other things that are just rotting you from the inside out and preventing you from producing fruit? I planted, I, I got these two trees, these two citrus trees um, from Lowe's a couple of years ago, and they did all right in pots out front. I had a calamondin tree, which I had never heard of before, but it looked like oranges, so I got it. And then I, I had this key lime tree, and I, and I took these two trees out of their pots, and I thought, all right, it's time to put them in the ground. And so I put them in the ground on the backside of my house, and I thought, this is great. They'll do really well here. And the calamondin, uh, God rest its soul, is no longer with us. <laughs> and I'm pretty confident it's because of where I planted it. The roots died. There wasn't enough nutrition in the soil. All of my soil is concrete and sand. I don't know why it didn't live. Right? So, like, consider the connections that you have. Are you planted in concrete and sand, or are you planted along the riverbank? Final thing I want you to consider, and, and the band's going to come, and they're going to lead us in a time of worship, is your commitments. Your commitments. And I don't mean your commitments like, what am I, you know, what do I need to do today, and, you know, managing your calendar, things of that nature. I mean, where are you going? Where have you committed in your heart, this is the destination I have? What is the commitment you've made with your life? I'm going to build this much in my, in my 401k, my portfolio, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to have this type of house. I'm going to live in this neighborhood. I'm going to drive this car. I'm going to, my kids are not going to pay this amount of debt for college. I'm, we're going to do all of these things. I'm going to, you know, what commitments have you made and where are you going? Because as Psalm 1.6 says, the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. This morning, I just want to give you the opportunity. If, if you've considered that, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? And it's bothering you. You're like, I don't know what I want. Talk to somebody about what life with Jesus looks like. I'll be available at the hub after the service. I would love to talk with you about Jesus. But if today you're, you're sitting and you're thinking, you know what, I, I, have, I have wanted so many other things, but I really, I really want Jesus. The Bible says this, that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. Here's why that's important. When I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I'm saying he is the one who is guiding my life. Jesus, I want you to watch over my path. You are Lord of my life. You have control. You have it all. But then when I believe in my heart, and in, in not my heart like, you know, this, this place, but my heart, the core of who I am, when I believe 
down in my depths that God raised him from the dead, here's what you're really believing, is that God can do the impossible in your life, that you are never down and out, that you have the God of the universe who brought Jesus back from the dead with you and guiding you and inside of you, and you will never be defeated. And I don't mean that in a prosperity-like way. I don't mean that to make you feel good, warm, and fuzzy. It should make you feel good, warm, and fuzzy because that is power and that is, that is, oh man, so much for us. But that's what you have when you believe that God raised him from the dead. Because if Jesus comes back to life, we come back to life too. It's not a question, it's a promise. So if you want Jesus, confess with your mouth that he is Lord of your life. Give him control and believe core of you that God raised him from the dead because if he could raise Jesus from the dead if he raised himself from the dead he can certainly raise you from whatever you find yourself in would you join me in prayer this morning father I thank you and praise you for you are good I thank you for the truth of your word God the challenge that it has for us God I pray that you would help us to be like the wise, those who love your word, who delight in your law, God, that we would be planted by streams of water that would be producing consistent fruit in our lives, God, that your power would be undeniable in our lives, and God, you would be glorified. You would get all the glory in every single thing that we do, that every piece of fruit that's produced would be genuine, that it would be love, that it would be joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and any other fruit, God, that you would allow us to produce in our lives that brings you glory and comes from you. I pray that that would be true. I pray for those in this room, God, who are struggling with the decision to to want Jesus. I pray that they would give in. I pray that they would confess that he is the Lord of their lives, and they would spend every day seeking to honor and glorify him, and that they would believe down in the depths of their being, God, at the seat of who they are, that you are raised from the dead, Jesus, because if you're, you're alive, it means I will be alive too. I love you, Lord. Praise you for who you are and this time of worship that we have for you. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name.